Leadership, potentially a shapeless concept. Government, perceived as overwhelmingly large. Put the two together, government leadership, and you distill it down to big and cold. Interested instead in a space where government leadership might be personal and warm? Maybe that would look like a one-on-one conversation with those we choose to speak for us in our own neighborhoods. We see them walking their dogs, shopping in our grocery stores, talking with neighbors in the coffee shop, cheering from the Little League sidelines, witnessing community tragedy, solving problems, and generating opportunities. From Studio 67, I'm Ginger Delegall, and this is Pack and Chat, 670 seconds with Florida's local leaders. Welcome to the third season of Pack and Chat, brought to you by Studio 67. This season features a bundle of interviews with emerging and new leaders in the association. They're a seasoned bunch, bringing a unique perspective on county officials and on Florida in general. We're excited to bring these conversations to you. Today in the studio, we have Commissioner Michelle Lincoln from Monroe County, an emerging medium-sized county at the tail end of this peninsula. Commissioner Lincoln is no stranger to local government in Florida, having served as an elected city official before running for the county commission. She also has a lengthy resume of service and nonprofit work here in Florida. She was elected as second vice president of the association a little less than one year ago, now serving at the highest level of leadership within the organization. Welcome Commissioner Lincoln to the studio. We're very glad to have you today. Hi, Ginger. Thank you for the introduction. Awesome. It's nice to be here. Absolutely. So can you kick us off by telling our listeners about Monroe County? Well, that would take almost all day. As Even though we are a tiny county, we think we are large. We are definitely um, the southernmost county in the United States of America. We are 120 miles linear. We have 42 bridges that connect all of our islands. We have two airports, 22 parks and beaches. We have boat ramps. We have three separate courthouses, three separate government centers because of how long we are. Our population is only 82,000. And yet on any given year, we have over 1 million visitors that fly through our airport and a numerous more thousands that arrive by vehicles, whether it's by boat or by cars. So while we are a small county, we have a large county feel. That's awesome. And I know Monroe, even for generational Floridians, is one of their favorite places in the state. So I know that you are proud to be able to represent them um, on this state stage. So one of the things that I am really interested in, and I think our listeners would appreciate, is knowing what your Florida story is. How did you get here, Commissioner Lincoln? So I would visit here for years while I lived in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm originally from Louisville, Kentucky, and I moved the wrong way. I went north and moved to Ohio before I finally found the light and moved to Florida. Um, My family visited the Florida Keys for years, and when uh, we had the opportunity to to resign from our jobs, we took that opportunity. Uh, my ex-husband and I and my daughter, we uh, 
arrived in the Florida Keys and have I have lived here now for over 23 years and I consider the Florida Keys my home. Well, I think 23 years certainly qualifies. Um, and I liken the state of Florida to the land of opportunity in this country as well. Um, I tell people all around the country, if you want to see the U.S. come to Florida, we have everything. We have every ethnic group, every racial group, every language, every cultural tradition um, that you could possibly imagine. In addition to, with the exception of blizzards, just about every weather condition that you could think of as well. Um, so certainly always inviting folks to Florida and we all have a Florida story. So what is it that has kept you here? Because, you know, many of us did choose Florida, which means you can choose to leave. So why, why do you choose to stay? You know, I have to say that the Florida Keys, it's so beautiful. I mean, there's no denying that. When, when you drive over the bridges and you look either to your right or the left and you have the Atlantic Ocean on one side, you have the bay on the other. You have the third largest barrier reef in the world. It is it is chamber of commerce, beautiful, ninety percent of the time. But it's the people, it's the residents that live here. It's the people who have become my family that that make me stay here and motivate me to do the things that I have done and and how I volunteer here and how I give my time, and now how I'm an elected official. It's, it's definitely the people that keep me here. So building on that a little bit, you are obviously in a position to represent people. So why did you choose to run for office in the first place, even, even back at, in your city days? What, what was your motivation? What was my motivation? You know, I... I look at that and I kind of laugh because I, I was in Kentucky um, a lot this past um, winter with my mom's illness and her um, eventual death and was going back through the house and looking at old photos of myself and old papers that my mom had saved. And I totally forgot that I was in leadership as in a youth group and I was very active in Girl Scouts. So I feel that 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 leadership tendency has always been a part of my fabric of who I am. When I had the opportunity to move to Florida, I had um, the ability to retire from, I was in pharmaceutical sales and director of marketing for a private psych hospital, but I also sat on the board of directors for a children's orphanage in, in Kentucky and then moving to Florida and having that opportunity just to play for a few years, I immediately looked around and said, okay, where am I going to put my energy? And children have always been my passion. So I joined a board of directors for a local uh, childcare facility that was destroyed during Hurricane Wilma. And I served on that board. And then I got involved with the Take Stock in Children program and I'm still excited about being a mentor with the Take Stock in Children program. I've done that for 20 years. And then all of a sudden, I realized I had more time and more talent available. And I took a position with the state of Florida with the Guardian Ad Litem program, 
where I was able to represent children who'd been abused, abandoned, and neglected. And in doing that job, Ginger, I was up and down the county, and I saw the differences in services that were available in the municipalities versus the county and realized that the decisions that the elected officials make on a daily basis impacted the children that live here, the families that struggle to stay in the Florida Keys. And I knew that I could help make our cities of the city of Marathon and the municipalities and the county a better place by giving them my time and energy. So I decided that was it. I was going to run for Marathon City Council and and I won and um, I loved it. I Every day I woke up and I'm like, yes, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I, I love taking the, um, the skills I have on gathering information and gathering facts and listening to people effectively and then making decisions that help our city and now our county and now our state be stronger and better and advocate for the needs of others is just something that I truly, truly love doing. And so then what took you from the city to the county level? Well, um, I saw that I really enjoyed what I was doing for the city and that I was very effective. Um, The county commissioner who had this seat, um, everyone knows him, George Nugent, he had this seat for 20 years. And he decided it was time for him to step back. And he approached me and said, hey, Michelle, what do you think? You, you ready to grow a little more? And I said, absolutely, I am ready for this. So I uh, went around and asked some people what they thought about the job I was doing and if they thought I, I was ready for this next leap, and they all agreed yes. So I ran and um, finished my first term, and then the second term I ran unopposed. So obviously the people in the Florida Keys are appreciating the, the job that I am doing here. Well, and congratulations to you for all of that. So have you found any differences between serving at the city level and the county level? Oh, absolutely. You know, when when you're in the city, all you have to worry about is your own little, little area. Um, as I said in the beginning, we have 42 bridges that connect the Florida Keys. It's 120 miles long. The needs and the and the goals and the priorities of Key West, the southernmost tip of the southernmost county, are sometimes exact opposite of the needs and priorities and goals of the northern part of our county, Key Largo, and every island in between. So it is really um, important to know the key players up and down the keys to know what the issues are and then to figure out how you balance that how do you balance the the needs of a the hot tourist town of key west with key largo who might not want to be known for all of the day trippers that come and visit them and how do you balance all of all of their needs up and down the keys Yeah, I would say that, you know, observing from a 10,000 foot level, you all have 
some significant challenges that are inherent or or that are driven just by your geography, which is obviously completely beyond your control. Um, but that that creates challenges. Um, you know, we see see some of those challenges at a lesser level, I would say, with some of the smaller counties around the state that have very vibrant and um, I'll just use this word wealthy beach communities versus other parts of the county that are still extraordinarily rural and in many cases still bona fide ag and just the challenges that that sort of d dramatic difference between citizens and the use of property and the generation of tax dollars and economic opportunities and all that comes along. So I can imagine that with just the geographic barriers literally that exist for you all in a physical way, um, that that also can create some of the these other social, economic um, outlook distinctions among the communities within within the county, and trying to keep it all together um, is is a big is a challenge with a big C. It, it is, and then add to that the fact that Monroe County is an area of critical state concern, and so we now have extra um, responsibilities on us with with the fact that we only have one road that goes in and one road that goes out and our hurricane evacuation model has to be factored into any development and any growth our county has. So we are limited in the amount of growth we can have. And the governor also decides every year what homework assignment um, he wants to give us to help protect our environment. Because as I said at the beginning, we have the third largest barrier reef in our backyard that we are responsible to help protect, which means we have to protect our near shore waters. So we are a county now that is completely off of septic and on a sewer system. And now that we've completed that task, our next task is canal restoration projects to make sure that our hundreds of canals are clean and are not putting out too much phosphorus into the nearshore water, which would attack our reef. We also have to worry about all of our roads with our king tides and our, our sea level rise and our vulnerability to storm surge. We're now evaluating every single road in our county for when do we believe we're going to need to raise that road and how are we going to do it in a way that does not negatively impact the environment, but yet is financially feasible for the residents that live here. And I'm sure all of those factors can lead to challenging conversations at county commission meetings, challenging conversations when citizens see you out on the street, challenging conversations at community events with those you represent. And some of those challenging conversations can even become um, uncivil. So what what keeps you going in such a positive way because your your approach to all of this is it just you exude optimism and positivity about hey we can do this um and how do you 
how do you bridge that? How do you bridge the challenging and frankly, in, in this era, often uncivil conversations in public and in private with those that you're representing, bridging that to maintaining a yes, we can attitude? What, what, how do you get from sort of the challenging and the uncivil to, to the good stuff? I think I have to stay rock solid in who I am. I stay rock solid in my faith in God. I stay rock solid in in my faith in humanity and in my, I don't even know if I can put the words that I'm trying to describe, but I write myself notes. I, I've, I've journal. I, I do Pilates. I meditate. I do things to make sure that the inside of Michelle stays true to who she is so that when I'm faced with adversity and when I'm faced with challenges, I know I'm, I'm leaning in on something stronger than me. And I would translate all of that into you're, you're making sure that you take care of yourself so that you can take care of others. Yes. Yes. So <laughs> it's sort of like, because it's sort of like when you're in the airplane and you have to put the face mask on yourself first. Right. Right. So if you were to put together a perfect backpack of all of those things um, that could fit in a backpack that do sustain you, whether it's in your public life um, or your private life, what items would you put in that backpack of sustenance? Well, mine would be more like Hermones from, um, why am I, now why am I blanking on the, on a, Harry Potter, you know, Hermione. And oh, Hermione, that, yes. Hermione, yes. And she had that magical purse that yes. everything fit in. So <laughs> mine would definitely have the faith, the friends, the family. Um, it would it would always have a toothbrush and toothpaste. Um, <laughs> because what's most important that I would put in my backpack would be my big smile, my big heart of compassion, and my effective listening skills, because I think that is what gets me through life. Um, it's that that sense of I'm very small. I'm a public servant, but I have an armor around me of friends, family, and faith, and the ability to say I don't have all the answers, but I will ask a lot of questions. That's awesome. So. Do you have any advice that you would give newly elected county commissioners or are there pieces of advice that you wish that you had been given in your first couple of years of service? I think that sometimes making the difficult vote can be very challenging. And I go back to the, you're not going to make everyone happy. And on any given day, you might make one person happy about the way you vote for one thing, and they might then turn and be unhappy with you for the way you vote for something else. And so I think what I have learned is when I have to make those difficult decisions, that I have to fall back on on the fact basing that decision, not the emotion, that I have to separate who the persons are involved and just look at the facts in front of me and do my research and ask my questions 
and then make sure that when I am making a decision and I'm voting on something, that I'm doing it for the right reasons. And once I've done that, I have to be at peace with myself. I cannot later that night beat myself up because now I made George Smith down the street upset with me by the way I voted. I have to say, nope, I've always been transparent with how my beliefs are and how I come about my decisions. And then I just have to be at peace with that. So I think that would be my advice to anyone coming in is, is after you've done your research, after you've asked all the questions you need, and when you've made your decision, make it and then move on. Well, I think that's great advice for all of life. Well, Commissioner yeah. Lincoln, thank you for your time this afternoon. This has been a delightful conversation. And that's a wrap from Studio 67. We look forward to another Pack and Chat episode soon.